All right, welcome to another edition of the White Collar Crimes Podcast. I am Ryan Horn, the host. And again, we're glad to have a very special guest returning with us. Uh, You might remember him from a few months back, but we have Pastor Preston Foster of Christ the King Lutheran Church in DeSoto, Illinois. Pastor, great to have you back aboard. Thank you for uh, being invited back, Ryan. I appreciate that. Well, I don't think a whole lot's changed in the world of greed. I think uh, somehow it's still a problem from what we had uh, last time we talked. I don't think it's, uh, that problem's quite been eradicated, would you say? No. Uh, looking at uh, current events, you know, whatever's been happening recently, local or international, ain't much changed. You know, and that's uh, something that uh, it's a problem that just doesn't seem to get get solved and and i don't know if even a society we're even aware of it is as big of a problem as that it is um but it seems like we just as a society don't get satisfied enough with money i was looking at different bible verses to you know prior to preparing for this and one i saw in ecclesiastes 510 it says the lover of money will not be satisfied with money nor the lover of wealth with gain this is also vanity so when greed consumes someone, is there a level where they can be satisfied, or does it just continue to eat away at a level they're never satisfied? One of the things that the Christian church talks about is death and resurrection. Now, that's not just full physical death and resurrection, as in the case of Jesus, but for us, it could be said to be spiritual or soul or mind that we have to die to the old stuff before new things can come. Uh, interesting that you had that Ecclesiastes because the first place I flipped was the commentaries by Martin Luther and this this stuff was written in 1530 and it sounds like it was written last week what Luther writes to his problems in his time it sounds very much like uh, like what you're saying like things haven't changed yeah do you have any quotes that you were going to share or yeah uh, Luther was talking about uh, his commentary on, uh, on Ecclesiastes, uh, try these two verses. He who loves money will not be satisfied with money, nor he who loves wealth with gain. This is also vanity, which means wasted effort, it's error. When goods increase, they increase who eat them, but what gain has their owner but to see them with his own eyes? Luther goes on in detail by basically saying that all that you increase and accumulate, that the thing is the miser who has everything he could ever want, continues gathering, accumulating. Uh, Luther's uh, key for understanding the Ten Commandments was to really focus on the last commandment, or depending on how you number them, the last two, about coveting. You shall not covet your neighbor's person. You shall not covet your neighbor's stuff. Because the whole idea of coveting is basically the simple statement, yeah, the greedy person says, uh, I've got what God gave me, but God didn't give me the right things or God didn't give me enough. Wow. And you know, it's uh, it's something that after a while this does begin to consume somebody. But I think it's important to note that, you know, pursuing a career, pursuing money to take care of your family, things like that, that's all good. It's when that becomes a an obsession, really, of money, I think, is when the problem. I think one of the most misquoted verses of the Bible, one I had, another one here I was going to include, was First Timothy 610 where it says for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evils 
And so many times, I think it's misquoted, people just say the love of money, or you know, their money's the root of all evil. I've heard a lot of people quote it like that, and they leave out the love of money part. And I think that's the key. It's, yeah. it's so often misquoted. We're not saying that anybody that has any financial drive or ambition or anything like that, that's not where it's wrong. It's when it is overly consuming and replaces God and everything else that's important in your life. The love that Luther's talking about that, uh, eagerness or desire, his commentary on, uh, on Timothy particularly, uh, about eagerness, about desire, that when the desire for money is wider than general greed, but that desire then becomes the seed that grows all these other things, a desire for power or for pleasure or for wealth. Uh, these are, he uses a Greek word that means pithy sayings. The man who's involved with greed owns the source of every evil. Uh, those who are immersed in pursuits of money can't pray, give thanks, or hear the word of God if so much as a penny is taken from them. We know what's first in their heart, their stuff. But as Luther says, and then when you die, who, uh, who has that? My question with that is to kind of, I was thinking in terms of a t-shirt, but it might be a, a pithy saying for our time is, if you were to win, the biggest Powerball prize in hit that was well over a billion dollars, what are you going to discover the day after? You're gonna discover that you have relatives that you never imagined that you had. Yeah, I, uh, I can imagine that's been the case in almost every time. And you know, I think that's something interesting to point out that a lot of people think when they win the lottery, that's gonna solve their problems, but there is tons of stories out there where people's lives have worsened and it's led to even untimely deaths or even more financial devastation and things of that sort. There used to be a special, I think it was on the E! Entertainment Channel, it was called The Curse of the Lottery, and they had stories of people whose lives actually worsened after winning the lottery. Uh, one that I really appreciate from uh, the, the doctor of financial peace, Dave Ramsey, he said, if you win the lottery, it's not going to change you at all. What it's gonna do is display to the whole world who you were the day before you won the lottery. It's an inner thing. It's not about the wealth itself. Uh, people who are content with the present can enjoy Thanksgiving and enjoy their family and enjoy enjoy being joyful. But if you're constantly focused on that dollar, uh, it drives you, you don't drive it. Yes, and that's so many times what it, it seems like it does happen. And I, yeah, the lottery, I think, is one of the best examples of it because it there have been some people who have ended up even more broke once it's all done than when uh, than what they were before because they don't know how to handle the money a lot of times to begin with and suddenly you know like you said the day before you're broke and then all of a sudden you're you know a multimillionaire that's something that uh, can drastically change a person when you have that much of a change in that short of a time and like you said you're going to find out you've got all kinds of family and friends you never knew you had and uh, that creates a whole new set of problems as well so it doesn't always solve all of our problems, I think, even though we have a tendency to think so. And even I know Jim Carrey said that a while back, the famous actor, comedian. Yeah. He's had all kinds of personal and mental health issues, and he said he wished more people knew that, that money was not the ultimate problem solver. Well, you had talked about riches, meaning that you have all that you need and enough for your family and for, for needs that you see to become a giving person, that the money flows through you rather than flowing to you. Luther's comment here at the end of his commentary on Ecclesiastes is, if the riches flow in, 
use your portion, but leave the rest to others and put away the anxiety of collecting and accumulating. Even if you accumulate the riches, they will not come without bringing along as guests those who will eat them. Now this is 1530, Luther is writing and saying, if, if the riches come along, there will be plenty of people who will come to share with you. There we go, yeah. Uh, he ends up with a simple statement, when goods increase, they increase who eat them. Very well said, some uh, 500 years ago nearly, and still uh, very applicable today. Mm -hmm. And I think it's important too that you can't let your money, your finances define you. And that was something else that I had, a verse that I had uncovered in here. And this is in Luke 12, 15, where Christ says, take care and be on guard against all covetousness for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. So I think Christ is saying right here, your, your, your possessions, your wealth does not really define who you are. Yeah, and the interesting thing is, as you are defined other than by your wealth, the wealth becomes a whole, dif a whole different thing. Uh, the idea that some folks have is that, well, if I got wealthy, I want to open a business and hire a bunch of people. Hey, that makes that a legitimate thing. The wealth is coming through you, not to come to you and stop. And that uh, statement that I remember hearing from my Mima, who was very wise in these theological things. When I was a kid, she said, you go sit out by the cemetery for a year, every day for a year. You will never see a hearse with a U-Haul trailer behind it. Yeah. Very wise statement. <clears throat> and it's, but, you know, the thing is, sadly, and especially in American society, I know we have people that listen to us from other countries, but, I mean, let's face it here in America sadly our wealth and material things do go a long way in defining us at least as far as society is concerned exactly because society's definition is not the same as the definition that god uses i go back to that first timothy 6 that you that you had led with that the temptation for the rich is basically the same the temptation for the poor it's not defined by the money or by your position. It's defined by the fact that you're a human being. If we're joyful and grateful, and we look at all of this as a gift from God, it puts a whole different picture than if we think this is something that we can go after or that we can create anything new. I can't make a flower grow. I can't make people like me, but the only thing I can do is be a channel for all of those other gifts that God's given. Money, money and possessions as well, but also you know the gifts of the gifts of being a human being and treating others like human beings. So I think important important point you're trying to make is that you have to, it's also how it defines how we use these gifts and these money that God gives us. It's not wrong to have them. A lot of what says who we are is how we use these gifts that we have. Yeah, well, again, there's another place in the New Testament, and it relates to this directly. In the book of Galatians, in the fifth chapter, Paul writes to the church, he says, as for you, my brothers, you were called to be free, but do not let this freedom become an excuse for letting your physical desires control you. Instead, let love make you serve one another. Some of the most amazing stories are those stories of the person who never earned up to even a poverty level wage and they died. And the story after their death was that they left an immense endowment to a school 
or to a, a children's home or to an orphanage and those kinds of things that have happened that are off the, off the main path. Nobody sets out to go out and found orphanages, at least in the beginning, like you would set out to go make a million dollars and become rich and powerful. Yep, very well said. Uh, you know, it's something else that I had looked at. It's important that also that uh, you have to really be content with what you have and that's something that is not always easy to do and that's something sometimes that again consumes us and as we talked about the last time when we were talking about greed it gets to the point where it does consume some people so much and that's what this podcast is about it causes them to commit crimes to gain further wealth the last episode that we had if you remember Sante Kimes very very dangerous evil woman and she committed horrid crimes, scams, arsons, and even murder, all, every one of them, the motive was obtaining property. That was her motive behind all these. And we're not saying everybody out there that's pursuing a buck is going to end up in that kind of case, but if we let our guard down enough, it certainly can cause us to do a lot of things we wouldn't normally think we would do, correct? Yeah. Well, again, using that biblical example, I would go to Exodus chapter 17. Now, here we have an entire race of people. We don't know for sure. The numbers say hundreds of thousands of people who had left Egypt. They've been fed. They've been clothed. They've had tents. They're on the move. But out of slavery and manna to feed them, and we find out that the people who are the most blessed can easily become the most discontented. And that's the thing about discontent is that ultimately it's anchored, it's rooted in rebellion against God. So the, uh, the most blessed become the most discontented, and then the people come to the place where there's no water on the Exodus. It's a legitimate concern. We have legitimate concerns in our life about feeding our families, about maintaining our place in the world. So how can God do this? Well, God hasn't done this yet. It's something brand new that God's about to do. And that's where we kind of hit that that decision point because if we say well this can't happen or God can't do it the people in Exodus 17 said is the Lord among us or not that's not discontent that is where discontent metastasizes into unbelief so there is a point where it can transcend into where money becomes our God right exactly whatever well Luther's simplicity in the catechism was to say whatever you fear love and trust the most is your small g god that works really well in german it doesn't work so well in english because the word god is the same so i make it a point of saying it's either a big g or a law very very small g it, it, putting your faith in that well after you're dead somebody else will be eating your bread and that's uh sadly again i would say in american society it has replaced and the pursuit of money and wealth has become God for a lot of people. And again, even to the point where that's the reason this podcast exists to show that some people commit crimes after a while because of this. And it's uh, sometimes it's motivated by financial stress. We've had situations where people have gotten in like that, but the overwhelming majority that we've covered on this podcast, it's simply just flat out greed. The the Kimes lady we just did one on last week, she married a very wealthy property developer. She had plenty of money, but it wasn't enough. She started out burning properties, committing arson to get that quick insurance fix. 
and just graduated to other things. Pretty soon she was pulling off forgeries and other scams, and ultimately it didn't stop there. It led up to murder, and I think that's something we all have to be careful with because if we don't get a handle on a problem like that, whether it be greed or whatever, it can snowball and progress into much worse things. Yeah, well, again, the idea of need and the idea of motivation, short story, historically recorded, you can look it up, one of the prior mayors of the city of New York was Fiorello LaGuardia. They named the airport after him. Right. When Mayor LaGuardia had his option, occasionally he'd go sit on the bench in city court as the judge. That was a part of his job as mayor was to supervise the courts. So he would give the judge an evening off and sit in court. So it's like, here's mayor of New York City sitting in night court. And they brought in a case of a man who had stolen a loaf of bread he was unemployed. He couldn't find work. It was during the Depression. All of that drive, he said, he finally got to the point where he gave up his gave up his moral compass and stole a loaf of bread and was caught. So they bring him into the courtroom, and he told the story. He said, I, I, I'm guilty. I stole the bread. And the mayor takes his hat off, and he says, Bailiff, take this hat and fine every man in this courtroom 50 cents for living in a city where a man has to steal bread to feed his children. And when they were finished, the mayor dumped the hat into the man's hands and said, good luck with finding a new job. And the, they said the man left the courtroom kind of stunned and kind of in, a, in shock, if you will. But that was, a, that was the case of saying there were all kinds of people who could help others. But if we're holding all that as like it came to me, it's supposed to go through me. And that, that was off the cuff. Thank you, Mayor LaGuardia. Yeah, well, that was a very interesting story. I had not heard that one. And it's odd that, and I think that shows that there's maybe the country's morals and focus on wealth was maybe not quite the same then because if you look at it, the crime rates did not rise at the level you think they would have during the Depression. I, I mean, we've had other times in history up until now where we've had much higher crime rates, much higher violent crime rates and things like that than we did then. I mean, it... There were not, as far as I know, and I've you know taught a lot of criminology classes, I don't know that we've had any data to ever show there was a huge spike in crime that was out of the ordinary, especially considering the time and the strain and duress a lot of people were under. Yeah, well, greed, as we talked before, by some theological folks, and even, if you will, just a study of society, a study of human beings, greed is a seed when it gets planted, it grows all kinds of nasty stuff. Greed as one of the seven deadly sins will lead to other things. Discontent is made up of pride, rebellion, and unbelief. That's the standard teaching, that's ancient. But the whole idea there is beginning at the beginning when there was, you know, there was God and God created, and now God has a universe, and God created what we refer to as visible and invisible. There is a spiritual realm. Well, people play all kinds of games with the spiritual realm, but in fact, there were beings that we call angels, but they're created. They're not eternal. They're not God. So the angels weren't content to be servants of God. Jude 6 says the angels did not stay within their own position of authority, but left their proper dwelling. Hmm. Even the angels could say, we deserve better than God has given us. And from that pride, the greed works out as discontent. And, and I, I'm kind of tongue-tied here at the moment. 
take over, Ryan. Yeah, that's okay. I think the point got across that, yes, we have to be careful because if the angels even got to this level, it's even easier, I think, for a human to come very complacent or dissatisfied with the situation, uh, turn their back on God, turn their back on all that they know that is moral and right, and end up becoming a person they never thought they would become, and not in a good way, and doing things they never thought they would do. And it's certainly different, I think, than the guy that you just mentioned that steals the bread and just to survive versus the person that is doing that just out of greed to obtain property that is well beyond what they need. Like I gave the example again, the Kimes lady from the last podcast. Yeah. So it does get to a point where if we are not careful and on guard, it can turn us into somebody we're not. And all kinds of people end up committing crimes for it. How many times in the last decade or two have we seen examples of this low-level or mid-level bureaucratic clerks end up stealing from city governments or county governments or things like that. It's happening all the time, even in the local area where you and I are at. That's been something that's caught the headlines in the last several years. So people that normally did not set out to become criminals because of whatever situation, because of greed or a financial strain or whatever, they end up committing crimes. Yeah, well, uh, the thought here is that in our culture today, I would say that I hear a lot in terms of defensive behavior. Well, all I was doing was moaning and complaining, and that didn't hurt anybody. Moaning and complaining really doesn't matter. Wrong. Because moaning and complaining puts you in a place of saying, well, I haven't thought about this much. It must not be that important. I would suggest that if you think deliberately about those things, about avoiding the seeds that lead to, to that, like you said, the kind of toxic greed that not only breaks the law, but hurts other people. And seeing folks who do that and look right into the TV camera and say, I don't think I did anything wrong. Well, I think that is a very good point because that was something when I did my thesis work on white collar crime. And I've mentioned that on this podcast several times, the lack of accountability and even responsibility is no different among white collar criminals. We know a lot of Street criminals always deny their guilt, proclaim innocence, whatever. But it's no different than white-collar crime. A lot of them really, truly think what they did was not hurting anybody. Or if they stole from a large corporation, well, they had it, and I'm just taking what they should have been paying me, or blah, blah, blah. And they they justify it. So that, I think, is a very key point, because we pointed that out over and over on this podcast. A lot of white-collar criminals just refuse to accept responsibility for what they are doing is wrong. And they, they've, uh, I remember there was a lot of outrage in that Enron scandal, if you remember that, from about mm-hmm. over 20 years ago when they heard some of the phone conversations of these officials with the company just laughing and belittling the people that they were ripping off. And that really certainly did not gather them a lot of uh, public sympathy when this became a criminal matter. Exactly. The, uh, to that question of, well, how does this begin? It begins with our individual daily choices. If we choose to be at peace, if we find that place where God provides for us, we believe that that's through Jesus Christ, through his death and resurrection. I don't mind doing a commercial for the home team here because that's the best and only lasting defense against all this because the greed and the discontent are going to continue. The question is, how do we become immune to that? And I think, how do we better educate society to not focus so much on it? Again, it's okay to pursue 
wealth and success. And I mean, I, I wouldn't think somebody had much ambition if they didn't. But it gets to the point, like we said, if it replaces God and all that we know is right and moral in this world, then it's going to become a problem, correct? Exactly. I hit you with one more. This is from the Old Testament, the story of the man named Job was a good and godly man. He wasn't sinless, but he was a good and godly man and he had all of it. He had family, children, wealth, all kinds of signs of wealth and he was living the dream and then the disasters came and he lost everything. And what Job said, this is what reveals his heart. Job said, the Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. The person who is discontented says something different. The Lord gave, but he should have given something else. The Lord gave, but he should have given more, or the Lord has taken away and he shouldn't have done that. And then Jude in the New Testament talks about harsh things that ungodly sinners have spoken against God. Back to that greed thing in growing up with some really, really 19th century grandparents who were clear to say, as my grandma said, when she caught me in the kitchen, she said, I know you're sorry, but are you sorry that you stole a cookie or are you sorry that you got caught? Most of the time as humans, I, unfortunately, I think it's the latter. We're not usually truly sorry until we get caught. I think we're all guilty of that, but uh, very good points. I think Job is a very good example of that. The guy that had it all, lost it all, but stayed true and faithful to God and who he was and ended up getting back even more than he had before. More than he had so in the beginning. I, very good way, I think, to, to wind this up. And... Pastor, we uh, very much thank you for sharing your knowledge and education on here. I certainly feel always more to the wise after having you on this podcast and hope we can have you on here again very soon. Well, I thank you for that, Ryan. I, I can say this one thing at the end of this, not just about white collar crime and about greed, but about life in general. And that is this, to say when we start talking about Jesus and about his message, which encompasses basically some pretty simple things like daily life and death choices that I have become, I guess, habituated to saying it this way. Jesus is for anybody, but Jesus and his discipleship is not for everybody. We've got to get involved. It's a challenge. Well, we challenge you to be your best that you can be and uh, we thank you for listening hope you were able to gather some knowledge as well from this please tune in to us again next week uh, please follow us on our facebook page white collar crimes also follow us on spotify apple wherever you're at give us that good rating we sure do need that help this podcast continue to grow uh, so we thank you for being a part of that again we thank pastor preston for joining us again and we will be back and see you again next week. Take care and God bless everybody.